Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan Recap, a podcast from Clear Creek Community Church. We're walking through the entire New Testament together in 2024, and in each episode, we'll discuss the past week's scripture reading, what we've learned, how God has convicted us, and how we can prayerfully devote all of this in real ways. We hope it's helpful. So we, we said week one, we had we wanted people to send in questions. Yes. And you said we got some. We did get some. Are we going to jump in with the questions? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, let's just go ahead and start. All right. Let's do it. We were already talking for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I think you started. We had some witty banter. Now he starts <laughs> like, follow the formula. So these questions, were they emailed in or did you guys just get them personally because somebody knew you? They were was emailed like, hey, in. I'm, I'm seriously to, so excited. What was the email? Say it one more time. Clear Creek Resources at clearcreek.org. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> it but it's okay. It's working, which is good. And I like that we're asking questions. I feel like I have absolutely no authority or idea what the answer is going to be. So hopefully you guys no, it's know gonna, what they are. I bet you do. I bet you All right. do. All right. It'll right. be like a game. All right. Rachel, I've, you're the one with the questions. Yeah, I've, I've got the questions, so I'm going to ask them. So either one of you guys just jump in. Okay, here's the first one. In Luke 12, 43 through 48, so we've already talked about Luke 12, but we have said that we, we are happy to go back yeah. and talk through things that still aren't very clear. So Luke 12, 43 through, 43 through 48 what does Jesus, why does Jesus use such hard language for judgment, like cut into pieces and severe beatings? What is that about? All right, let's, this is, uh, you must be ready is the section. Jesus says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. That's All right, so, so like, <laughs> we're at the back end of this parable or story that Jesus is telling. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and be like, this is one of those ones where it's like, oh, the people who would have heard this, yeah. it was like... You know, because of what was going on in time, they would have understood it that this isn't a literal like we're a metaphor for we're going to be receiving these harsh beatings and right. be cut up into pieces. But maybe we are. I don't know. But it probably no. <laughs> <laughs> we, let me have you. Let me have you my answer. <laughs> <laughs> you had it, Ted. You're right. I mean, I think it, it probably would not be outside the realm of their mindset to know that if you diso- if, if you were a servant of some master with power and authority. And you were caught doing these things. That master would beat, beat you. you, cut you to yeah. pieces, whatever. I mean, that's it, you don't have to watch many shows about yeah. ancient yeah. times to understand that's how people function. And maybe it's not cut you to pieces like murder you. Maybe it was just like, oh, maybe I'm gonna like cut your finger off because you like pointed at me weird. Maybe, but I think there was a lot of like you know putting people's heads on spikes back in the day. That's yeah. probably true too. I know. God. I mean, really so, think about what we we're about to get to the crucifixion. Yeah, yeah. But again, to to be clear. I don't think that Jesus is saying this is how the kingdom of heaven works. I think he's using a real life scenario that they would understand to illustrate something not about cutting to pieces, but about the need to expect the return of the master. Yeah, that's the, ju- what ju- the final judgment, which that's right. is ultimately coming and being ready, mm-hmm. uh, ready right. for that. Don't yeah. be surprised by it. Yeah. And all of Israel right now, hey, your king is coming. Yeah, yeah. And this is what this is what's about to happen to all of you. That's all coming. I think just just because I think this is a helpful conversation, you really talked about literary context and cultural historical context, 
which is super helpful with confusing parts like this to remember that there really is a history and a culture that we have to sort of put ourselves back into because this sounds for us like really out of control, crazy. Why would Jesus even be talking like this? Yeah. But this was a reality for them. So he's connecting with that culture and also it's a parable. So he's using, you know, some hyperbole, you know, yeah. he is, you're not supposed to take it literally, even though it represents something real, like you said. So, yeah. Yeah. But the general idea of like harsh language, I mean, not hyperbole, but there is some weight and gravity to the the final judgment and the coming of Christ's return. Again, it should be sobering in a way similar to what I, I'm expecting he was implying to the yeah. readers, so hopefully. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of what we'll even talk about this week is the reality and the harshness of what yeah. is coming and how it's necessary, and we should take it really seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, this week, well, we'll get to it later, but this week there was something that I read that was the first time I was like, dude, it has a weird cultural context back then, but we'll get to that later. All right, so that was question one. Oh, yeah, that was question one. All right, question two was, why does Jesus sometimes tell people who he heals to share what he did for them and sometimes tell them to keep it a secret? Seems oh, random almost when dude, he does or good. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, and even in our reading this week, he heals the 10 lepers and only one, one returns. Back. And he's yeah. like, you're the only one that came back, which yeah. is, I guess they were going to show the priest and maybe not fully in the same thing. But I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? Well, um, I think one answer is that we don't know. Yeah. Right? We have to remember, like, I think it's set, which gospel is it? But they say l- there are so many of these stories. We, we can't even possibly tell you everything that Jesus said and everything no. that he did. So we don't really know why he does and doesn't. But what we do know, to me, it's, it's actually helpful talking about parables. Part of what he's doing is, is everything that he's doing is radical, right? Politically, it's radical. This is why he's crucified. And religiously, it is. He's claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God. He's, he's showing his authority as the Son of Man who they've been waiting for. And that's a really dangerous thing, obviously, to be saying. And so he talks in parables. This is hard to... I know, <laughs> back and forth. That, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't, if you're watching yeah. this on YouTube, you see like uh, Rachel's in the middle, she's having to like turn left and right looking. It's like uh, watching a tennis match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can just talk to Lance. Yeah, yeah. Or free you, say, you can ignore me. Yeah, oh, it doesn't no. matter. Okay, Ted, I'm going to talk to you. Okay, good. So, so what he's doing is really dangerous. There's real rep- repercussions for him. He's claiming to be the Messiah, the king, which has re- religious connotations and political ones. And so... Uh, he's talking in parable because he's sort of hiding the truth. So whoever has ears to hear, you're going to hear. But if you don't want to know really, really what I'm saying, then you're not necessarily going to pick up on it. And so we don't know really where exactly he was whenever he was saying, you go tell and you don't tell. I mean, there might have been a religious leader there that he wasn't ready yeah. to really announce and claim who he was because yeah. he knew, I'm going to Jerusalem when I really announce who I am, and it has to be during Passover, right? It's all part of God's appointed time. So I think that's part of it. But we don't really know the answer. Yeah, I don't have a better answer at all, even close. That's yeah, great. I think what, may, again, because I'm just trying to relate to what we've already read, I'm thinking back to like where even like the demons like recognized who he was, but he like was like, oh no, like stop talking, like you, you don't. You can't say who yeah. I am, right? Even when Peter confesses him as mm-hmm. Christ, he says, all right, well, keep that to mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sounds weird, like Jesus is being cagey, but 
again, there's a real historical context here. It was very, very dangerous yeah. what he was really proclaiming. Yeah. I mean, remember, they called Caesar Lord. Right. Caesar is Lord. You yeah. know, and so if you say, I am Lord, you know, like he, like he does in this week's reading, David, the son of David, sa- David says to his son, you know, he calls him my Lord. That's a yeah. huge political statement. It's yeah. scary. All right, so that one I'll give us like you did a really good job. I feel like I got like maybe a D, I don't, are D we, plus are we are not on that. Maybe oh gosh, no, I'm no. just thinking in my head. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, last question. You ready? Yes. Hopefully. I have to look on my email for this one. Um, these are oh, good questions. Oh. I'm glad people are like it's like affirming. Yes. Like, oh, people are actually listening. Send to in more questions. Yeah. Do you have it? I my phone's sitting over there. Oh, I don't have no. it. It's not pulling go, up. Go, go, go get I'll your phone. phone. I know yeah, the go gist grab your of it. Phone. Okay. It doesn't matter. Go get your phone. Yeah. This isn't like that official. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to do, do it in injustice. If they ask the question, at least we'll yeah. want to get it on there. All right. The question is Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 30. So let's turn there. 13, 22 to 30. Uh, In the narrow door, Jesus starts out by saying, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom for many will try to enter, but will fail. My understanding of this scripture narrative is that Jesus is sharing there is only one way to God through him. However, I could see someone taking the stance that Jesus is saying work hard means that your works are required for the kingdom of heaven. So faith without works is dead, but how would you debunk that works are required as it relates to this scripture? That's the question. Okay, I think it's your turn. It's my turn mm-hmm. to answer? All right. So... Unless, Ted, did you want to? No, give me a minute. I got to think. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm forming something in my brain. Okay. You're going All right, first. so I'm going to go first. All right, so uh, Luke 22, I think it's important for us to know right out of the gate the, the audience that Jesus is speaking to. These are the people of Israel. He's, it's almost exclusively a Jewish audience. Consistently, Pharisees are in the crowd, and so he's speaking to Jewish people, uh, and and it it actually points out right here at the beginning that Jesus, on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Like Luke is pointing out, this is on his way to where he will be crucified. Uh, he he's heading he, heading in for Passover, and so um, what we read this week as Jesus is approaching Jerusalem, he has all of this lament over the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, right? I mean, he, he knows that God's judgment is coming for them. And, and he's saying uh, that he, he knows they're missing what's happening because all of these Pharisees, they, they place their status in God's kingdom related to their, um, their connection to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like they're, they're Jewish people. They're the people of Israel. And so uh, he's talking to them. It's easy for us to pick up a parable like this and just like, drop it into our world without that context. But it's important that we know this context because I think what Jesus is saying about the narrow door and it's hard to enter is that the old way you relate to God is not going to be the way he relates to you in the future. He, he establishes the new covenant, which he gives the Lord's Supper. We're going to talk about that a little later. Uh, but uh, he's, And he's foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem, but he's saying there's a new covenant coming. And it's, it's one that happens through faith, which you could argue the old covenant is also through faith, but not in their mindset. So uh, he's making a new people. It, God's people will no longer be the people of Israel. They will be the church. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to explain that like 
the way to enter God's kingdom is is narrow and it will be hard. But it, he uses words like work hard, strive, because there also is a component of, yeah, you are called to live a certain way. You don't just have faith that means nothing in your life. So there is there's both a, uh, a faith component, but faith without works is dead as the person who sent that question in. So Jesus is saying, actually, I think right before this, at the beginning of chapter 13, verses... Three, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then again in five, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He's telling people that the the, the way in is repentance. Yeah. It's changing your way of life, changing your mindset, changing all that. And so... Yeah, that's a a little bit of where I was going. So I I don't know if it's worth sharing my wrong answer. It's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, like this whole idea of like faith without works, it's like, you know, at least for me, it's not always easy to follow Jesus. And so this idea of like the works, it's like, no, it, it, there's, it's going to take some effort, but there should also be evidences of mm-hmm. a life journeying with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so... And it's hard. Yeah. So that's why, I, that's where I guess the works comes into play. It's like, yeah, no, it, following Jesus isn't always rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. No, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's even told people, we've read up to this point, Jesus saying... You have to die to yourself yeah. if you're going to follow me. You have mm-hmm. to lay down your life. Uh, and so, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Now, if a person picks up this parable and reads it and applies it without any cultural or literary yeah. context, and they walk away thinking, like, I need to work hard in my the way that I follow Jesus, is that wrong? I don't think that's... It. That's not inherently wrong. We do need to work hard in the way we yeah. follow Jesus, like you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. I mean, even in the stories that we're going to talk about today... You know, they were saved just by recognizing who he is, right? right? By their belief, and then everything was transformed. Then yeah. they gave away half of their earnings. You know, the, the I think one actually good way to think about this is in one of the chapters this week. I don't know which one it is, but the uh, young rich ruler. He says, "I've done all this stuff. What else do I need to do?" And he said, "Give away all of your belongings and follow me." Right. And he walks away sad. Yep. But then he says, let the children come to me is through the faith of a, of a child. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, you don't come to Jesus with your works in that sense. It's really about complete allegiance, about a childlike faith. Mm-hmm. But then that faith changes everything. You have to follow. Yeah. All right. So before we jump into this week's stuff, I feel like an obligation to kind of disclose a little bit. Like we record these in advance of obviously when we release them. Right. And so we're doing these a week ahead. So in our reading, we're reading a week ahead of everybody else so it can release on the date. I feel like I keep having to tell people like, well, we're kind of ahead. I don't want people to think like... You're worried just... people are going to think you're super Christian? Because no, you're so not far a, ahead? No, not a super Christian, but even like, <laughs> yeah. we're not being like phony, baloney, authentic. We're not doing right. it with yeah. it. So that's why there is a delay in questions and we we, we want to go mm-hmm. back. So yeah. yeah, good point. We're doing yeah. this ahead yeah, of time. Sure. And, yeah. and if we miss like a cultural moment the week of something that happened, yeah. that, that's why we mm-hmm. missed it. So that's fair. I'm just trying to full disclosure, everybody. Thanks, well, Ted. I'm trying to be. So, sorry. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. All right, so you're a few weeks in, reading plan. Uh, we've heard a ton of feedback about folks that are listening and watching 
uh, appreciate your honesty and the questions you bring. And so, and you've, you've talked like you're, this is a new rhythm for you right now. Yeah. I didn't want to do this when you guys started talking. <laughs> it was Rachel's it. brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad she had it. So what have you learned? Uh, I learned that I'm not as disciplined as I ought to be. Um, I, I think it's more about the, at this point still feels still new enough that, um, it's more like I, I got to work on my discipline of finding rhythms. And I think I'm experiencing moments where it's like, okay, when I'm more consistent in, in this, and especially once I migrated, I found a good rhythm of reading not just the text, but reading the, the study notes. And I'm, I hate writing. So even what little bit I'm writing down, the more I'm getting into it, it's slow and steady because yeah. – while we're doing this for a while, I'm thinking like months ahead and, you know, it's a marathon because mm-hmm. if we're going to do this, I want to do it. And I don't want to – I just need to pace myself. But I, I think it's good. I mean, I'm I'm being convicted of a variety of things almost every day. Some days like today, for example, which is, <laughs> you know, one you're like, oh, man, this is like the, this, like the meat of it. It's where like Jesus is go, getting mm-hmm. ready to go to the cross. And I'm like – yeah, I just like really read it right quick. I, I didn't spend much time examining and applying. So, yeah. but I don't know. Enough about me. Rachel, what about you? Have you learned anything along the way? Um. Yeah, I've learned that. I mean, I just I agree with Ted. It's it's hard, but it's worthy. You know, I mean, one of my favorite things about um, being in a daily rhythm with Luke, a love that we started with Luke, mm-hmm. is I feel like I'm walking with Jesus, you know, because it's really, this is Jesus's life. You hear his words, you see his personality, his, his, his real teaching. And I just feel like it's given me such a good sense of really being with him every day. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's really hard. I mean, this week, this past week, I had a sick kid. We had a dance competition. I had a, another kid had a birthday. I mean, those things, you know, I had a slumber party in my house. Like there's just all the things you know, it's it's hard to stay in a rhythm, for sure. Yeah. With life. What about you? Uh, for me, something that has stood out. I've, I've mentioned already on the podcast that last year I read through the whole Bible with my small group, and I have done that every other year for a long time. But it, when I've when I did that last year, I just read. I didn't stop and examine or think about how my life should be a response to this, in the same way that I'm doing it now. And so, I, I think. What's come to mind for me is that there was maybe a season where, I don't know if you've heard this, where you do things for God instead of be with God. Mm -hmm. Like I was reading the Bible, which is a good thing to do, but I wasn't really with God Mm -hmm. in the way that I am using the bread acronym or taking a time to examine a text. And it's been really good the last few Mm -hmm. weeks for my heart to slow way down and to, to examine and let the word examine me and... Yeah, I, I, yeah, I identify with that. I definitely am not fully yet in the phase where I feel like I am doing this with God. Uh, however, I hope there is a point later on in yeah. this in the, the rest of the New Testament here where I get there. But I did, as you guys were sharing, just think through like, ultimately, do I think this is impacting my day-to-day life? I sure as heck hope so. I yep. mean, I think the people that I interact with the most, my wife, my kids, my coworkers that gradually they start to see evidences of something's different there because 
there is something different. I mean, yeah. there's a, it's a new rhythm. Well, and I also don't want to paint the wrong picture as if somehow every day that I sit down. Yeah. yeah. No, there's no, like no. Uh, a piano in the background playing <laughs> and the angels have descended. Yeah. No, it's, it's not like that. Uh, it, it's really, it's almost like what I find myself doing because of the way that I'm interacting with the Bible the last few weeks, I find myself talking to God more throughout the day mm-hmm. because I've already talked to him about my heart and about his word. And it's just like this ongoing conversation that lasts more than just in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is mostly what happens for me. I guess I'm like, what the heck? Either what the heck does that mean? Or why did it say that? And that's the either the phrase, the passage of words that come back more throughout the day. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I like the rate we're reading this at a lot because I feel like it's a lot. It's challenging, you know, because especially if you don't understand something and you have to take the time to really examine it. But overall, it's such a nice, steady pace to really understand the story. Yeah. I feel like it's the right amount because, you know, you could just read through it in one day and you would get a sense of it, but you're not going to have the same kind of opportunity to really understand what's going on. Yeah. So I really like our pace. And I really like that I think a lot of people are doing it. I mean, yeah. I have really, really loved that. I mean, yeah. just all sorts of people talking about it at our church. We're all doing this together. It's mm-hmm. really cool. All right. I forgot when we started, but I, I want to like, oh, yeah, I don't want to keep people forever in this. Not that I think we had to rush through it, but you know what I'm saying. Three-hour podcast. No, yeah. I don't know that people listen to me for three <laughs> hours. <laughs> all right. So 17 through 22, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's a lot to happen here. Not that there wasn't a lot to happen in other ones, but did you guys have anything that stood out early on in the week? I did early on, day one, sat down to read uh, chapter 17, mm-hmm. and who knows how many times I've read this, but because of the way we have been talking to each other about what Jesus is saying in this upside down kingdom, the uh, verses 20 and 21 stood out to me about the, the coming of the kingdom. So yeah. he keeps talking about the kingdom and trying to introduce the kingdom to people. And the Pharisees ask him, when is this kingdom mm-hmm. going to arrive? And he says, uh, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. So in a sense, they're skeptical of Jesus, but also they are Pharisees, Jews under Roman oppression. They really do want God's kingdom to come mm-hmm. and overthrow these Romans. And so I think there's like some trying to figure out what's happening here. And Jesus says, the thing you're looking for is not what is actually here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so you won't be able to see it in the way you think so. But then he says, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And when you you look at some other ways that's translated, it's like, it's it's within your grasp. It's right here, right now. The kingdom of God can be yours. Yeah. That's the whole we say in church. It's the already, not yet. Yes. Because of Jesus. But he's like, it is here now. You just have to... Open your eyes. And and live it. Mm-hmm. And so he, this call to turn your life upside down, to give your things away to the poor and to care for the marginalized and to accept and forgive the sinner. Like, so when, uh, I'm, we're going to get nitpicky here. Maybe yeah. I'm like just misunderstanding it. But when did the already take place? Did the already take place at the... The, the the cross, is it leading up? Because at this point, it's not, is it already just within the fact that he's in arrived. his birth, he's arrived, he's come, it's already, he's like, I he's mean, enthroned as king from when he was born? Or how, maybe that's thinking about it too linearly, but I don't know. Those are really, all really good questions. When, 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 does, when did the already happen? Yeah, when did, 
when did the kingdom arrive? Well, Jesus began saying he in in Matthew, yeah. Mark, and Luke, he yeah. rolls in. He's like, the kingdom of God is here. Is mm-hmm. here. Yeah. This this is it. And and then we also you talk about already not yet. So that's the already. It's here. But then we know it's not yet because he continues to talk about how he's going to leave and then one day come, come back, back again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And that's when you get to the new heavens, new earth, revelation, all that yeah. cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I mean, that's a weird question. No, it's a great no, question. No, it's, it's a question that a lot of people talk about, too. When is When was Jesus enthroned? Is he on his throne now? Because there's a whole group of people who think he's not until he comes back. But we believe that he, he is on his throne. He reigns now. Yeah. And he was anointed. That's actually something interesting we'll talk about today is, is he is actually anointed whenever, what chapter is it? But someone says... Uh, are you, they ask him a question. He says, oh, by what authority do you have? Or are you doing yeah. these things? He had, hey, well, he had just cleared the temple and they say, whose authority are you doing that by? And he says, well, who uh, did John the Baptist, where did he get his authority? And the question supposed to remind us of when he was anointed by his father as the king. Yeah. Because if, if John's authority came from God, that means that Jesus has the authority of God and he really is the king yeah. now. And yeah. so that's really what we're supposed to be thinking about. He's king. Yeah, because we sing in songs, like the word songs, like, oh, death is defeated, the king has won. It's like, okay, so did the king really win just like after he defeated death, when he conquered sin and death? Uh, you know. I mean, anyway. the kingdom is at hand now, yeah. is what he's saying, but yeah. there's definitely... Um, Right, something unique that yeah. happens whenever Jesus overcomes the evil and sin of the world on yes. the cross, yeah. and with His resurrection, and then when the Spirit is given, we can participate in His kingdom even more because He's within us as the church. Yep. So there really are. It is linear in some sense. There are different sort of phases to it, and yeah. one day it will be complete. But it's already available to them even now. All right. Would you have? I feel uh, like you're about to say something. Yeah. No. In seventeen, I just was thinking. Um, he goes back and forth between healing outsiders and warning the Pharisees. It's really sort of the rhythm in Luke, I feel like. And I just was struck in this day of just the posture. It's really, he's asking us for a posture. What, is, what does God want from us when we come before him? And it's just this posture of humility, repentance, and faith. You know, that's, that's really what he's asking of us. That was really just the, my big takeaway from Luke in general, but really 17. And Thanksgiving, you know, he asked, like, why did only one leper come back to me? You know, yep. we forget to fall on our knees and thank God for his goodness all the time. You know, it's just the same kind of pride we all fall back into, just like the Pharisees. So yeah. Just reminding myself that day, like, it's really just a humble posture before God. Is this the one where you were referencing earlier? Because I felt like when I read that, the one where he healed the 10 people, but only mm-hmm. one turned around. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was in 17? No. Oh, it's not? I just uh, no, saw no. lepers. No, no, uh, it's, it's good. It was this week. This I think the week. thing that was interesting, that's what I was going to, one of the things I was going to say, I was struck with that, like, you know, the 10 got healed, but only one, mm-hmm. like, came back, and I forget his words to him, but, like, maybe what it was implying is, like, while Jesus healed those other ones, they weren't, like, like physically healed, they weren't maybe spiritually healed, that, like, the one guy that came back was, like, fully healed, like, spiritually, and so just thinking about, you know... Man, if Jesus like he healed you physically and you didn't like respond, fully respond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's just crazy just yeah. thinking through how that would it it is in seventeen. But what also stands out about the person that comes back is that's a Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And presumably the others are not yeah. because they're going to the priest. Really simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think um, another thing that I was struck by, and not just in 17, but as as you keep going really throughout this whole week, they were looking at is th- the people that God uses. You know, that's not a profound observation, but it really is profound to think about. You know, like the, the people who God chooses it, not only to invite into his kingdom, but to be a part of his work in the kingdom is just, it's so humbling. And I just, it just made me think like, am I really willing to do it? To take up, to take up my cross, to, to die, to die really unto him all the time, because he's really, he's, he's choosing us to be a part of his mission. It's just unbelievable. I mean, they're all, they're all outsiders. You know, they're, they're the worst of the worst. And I think even when we read it, it's hard to, it's again, like that cultural context. You have to try to get your brain in this time. You know, when he talks about tax collectors, we're like, oh, it's a tax guy. That is like the worst of the worst. I mean, think about, I was trying to think like what, like politician, I won't even say one because everyone will have a different (laughs) one. I get it. But think in your head, like who do you think is the worst who is harming you know, your people and your land and mm-hmm. is corrupt. That's, that's who Jesus is saying, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to eat with you. And now you are saved. I mean, that's really incredible. Yeah. If the politician you hate the most <laughs> yeah. was one that Jesus dined with and you said, salvation has come to this house. Yeah. How'd you feel about that? Yeah. How would right. that play on your favorite news station? Yeah. Well, that's the whole, that's what's so awesome about Jesus. That's who he came for. Yeah. The, the broken people, the lost people, the, yeah, so. Yeah, and then they all respond. They're the ones who actually see and grab on to the kingdom that's in their midst. I mean, that's what's incredible about it. And are we doing the same thing as a church? Are we really inviting those people in? Are we just getting mad at those people? Was something I kept asking myself. You know, how, how do I actually feel about what I think is the worst what is mo- who is most outside of the church? Am I just mad at them, or do I really think of ways to extend the grace of God and invitation? Because that's hard to do. Yeah, it's easy to, you know, forget that we we aren't the Pharisees, but we can act like the Pharisees sometimes still. Well, this week uh, I also had to finish reading Prodigal God for another uh, thing that I'm doing, and. Uh, that was a little eye-opening, but it's the same thing. It's like, you know, Jesus' message, you know, should be drawing the younger brothers the way where it's on, but it's also for the... Mm-hmm. Always. But yeah. yeah. But it's still initially like what he drew his message was drawing in the, the lost, broken, younger brother types, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. but he has a heart for the, he for the older yeah. brother, the Pharisee, which is why we talked earlier, the question that came in about the people of Israel, and and then when Jesus rides in and he has lament, he's crying over, mm-hmm. oh, Jerusalem, if you would but repent. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you can't even see what's before you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's weeping when he sees Jerusalem, and then he's weeping after he cleanses the temple. Yeah. I mean, I think that is just really important to remember when we're thinking about who God is, is, is he does have to meet out justice, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't take pleasure in that. He's, he wants everyone to come to him. Yeah. Justice is necessary, but he weeps, right. and that's really who God is. I mean, the, if back to the poem, the prayer of Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, the merciful kindness of the Lord. Yeah. That's what he he pointed out. Mm-hmm. The merciful kindness. That's who he is. So eighteen. That we. I, I'm looking at my notes. I'm yep. thinking like I don't remember what I read that made me like think or take away that. But this idea of like seeking justice for the unjust was that day for me as I was 
mm-hmm. examining. I don't remember. Okay, let's or... let's talk about the rich ruler. Yeah. So where was that? This oh, is beginning 18, in verse eighteen. Mm-hmm. Eighteen, eighteen. Yeah. What must 18. I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah. And he says, you know, he, he Jesus says, you know the commandments: do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the guy says, yeah, I've been doing these since I was young. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think that he's arrogant. I think he's like, yeah, no, I understand yeah. that, and I live that way. And so Jesus says, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But he heard these things and he became sad for he was extremely rich. So what, if you just sat down and read that story, what are you supposed to walk away with? God hates rich people. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's what you could walk away with. You could walk away with that. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because he's saying, give everything away. Yeah. That's, that's, you're not allowed to have money. But is that what the message is? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think it is. I, okay. I mean, I would think it has to do with like, at least for me, maybe how I would interpret this is it has to do with like, if we're, who we're putting our dependence or what are we relying on that sometimes if we've either amassed a bunch of wealth, the way we live or like, it, are we, are we trusting in our wealth to keep us, sustain us? Or are we trusting in Jesus that maybe it's hard to do both of those. And so the idea of like, for this guy, like, oh crap, giving away everything, like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to sustain whatever, you know, lifestyle I have, or how am I going to keep up with the Joneses, uh, so to speak? And maybe that's hard to be fully reliant on Jesus or view. I don't know. Well, Jesus does say it's, it's very hard, almost impossible for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. Yeah. And that's because money is an idol for most yeah. of us. Or And anyway, so that's part of it. But I also think that that Jesus knows, he's reading this man's heart. If someone else walked up with a different right. idol in their yeah. life, he wouldn't say to that person, sell everything, because that's not... He doesn't not, do right, that every that's time. That's right. Uh, so, so this, this is, is specific to this dude. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and probably specific to a lot of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not, I wouldn't say that this is for everyone because if. Because I'm not rich. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Well, nobody's rich because everyone's, there's always someone with more money than you. Yeah. So you never think you're rich. But I just think about the people that live in my neighborhood. And I I just live right down here in in South Shore. Yeah. It's a typical neighborhood right here. But by the world's standards, we're rich. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if all the Christians in my neighborhood, obeyed this and sold everything and moved and followed Jesus, you know, wherever, there'd be no Christians left in our neighborhood. Yeah. And I don't think that's God's plan, but his, his plan is to break down the idols of your heart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about humility, repentance, yeah. and, and really faith in Jesus. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what we were, whenever we we're talking about the questions at the beginning, it's not just a belief that you have one time, you know, it's not just one thing you do. It's really wholeheartedly following Jesus. That's what it looks like Mm -hmm. to be one of his followers. I mean, in the next chapter in 19, there's Zacchaeus and he gives away, he is also very, very rich and corrupt. He's the worst. Like I said, he gives away half of what he owns and he repays debts. So it mattered for him too. He doesn't give away everything. He's still probably doing fine, frankly, but he had a change of heart he was really following Jesus with everything that he had. So there has to be something, and we have to be honest about what it is for us. Yep. So jumping into 19, 
I know I had under just this whole uh, of Zacchaeus this idea that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost was just to tie back to like all the other things like the prodigal son, the lost coin, that like mm-hmm. the sheep, you know, he's seeking and it's yeah, Luke's saving, whole theme restoring. of upside down kingdom and a gospel for the outsiders. Yeah. I mean that's Luke's theme. Uh, what else? Do I would I say have? so there is one, I mean, just in eighteen and a few times in all of these chapters that you know, Luke reminds us that the disciples did not know what Jesus was talking about. They were like, um, we don't know what that means. I mean, over and over and over yeah. again. And that, I don't know, I hope that's encouraging, you know, that we don't actually have to understand all of this even now, right? We have the context and the story now, so we do understand basically what he's talking about, but we have other hurdles now. So we're not going to understand every single sentence, but that's okay. We're still following him. You know, they don't know what he's talking about, and they keep walking down the road to Jerusalem with him. And so that's all we have to do, too, is keep following him. Yeah. I still, in some of these, get stuck in the trap of, like, I'm trying to decipher, like, what this means. It's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Is there, like, an example? No, no, just generally speaking still. It's the whole, again, the the parables, the speaking in hyperbole, Uh like, the switching kind of back and forth uh, between, like, kind of even minute literary styles mm-hmm. in yeah. here where like, wait, is this like, is that what he really means to say or not mean to say? And I feel like a broken record because I say it every podcast, but. <laughs> no, I think that's helpful though, because it's, it's not necessarily going to change, you know, tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. This is a lifelong endeavor and it's okay. I mean, if it was hard for the disciples to understand who were with them, they were looking for something different, but it was still, they were with him and they still didn't know what was happening. He's purposefully, like I said, trying to be a little hidden here because he's not ready to be explicit yet. So if, if he's also doing that, then it's okay if we get a little bit lost. Yeah. In 20, I think the, where was it? Oh, the Sadducees ask about the resurrection. <laughs> this oh, yeah. was where I was like, with the whole like marrying, like wives, dead brothers, yeah. kids, like Why just down the, line, down the line. <laughs> I was like, dude, <laughs> their culture, it was way different than it is today. <laughs> yes, it was. Like, yeah. I can't even begin. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why that was. It just felt like, dude, that's awkward. Like that really happened. They would do that. Like, they would. I know. They would to carry on a family name or so that a brother had an inheritance if he passed away or his children would have an inheritance or his name would carry on. Yeah. It, yeah. All kind of things were important to them mm-hmm. in ways we don't we would never think about. Yeah. That seems wrong. Now. Right. Yes. Backwards. Oh, yeah. that's that's and a great that point. Would be and there's sinful. like an, and yeah. there, there's like an obligation too right. is that's, what they made it sound that's like. That's yes. what would like, be honoring yeah. somebody. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's that's so I'm glad you pointed that out because there are times in the Bible where the people that whether it's Old Testament or New, that are in the pages of Scripture are living in a way that is not God's design, and sometimes He doesn't correct that. Mm-hmm. He's He meets them where they are in their life and is is working on them there. And so, just because something like that is in the Bible does not mean oh, well. This is God's plan for the way families should work. Mm-hmm. It could be that they actually have a broken system. Yeah, and I think just because I think that section is confusing. If you don't know why they're even asking that question, you know, I mean, and I don't know how much we want to go into that, but the point that Jesus is really making is there will be a resurrection, Mm -hmm. a real bodily resurrection, and it's going to usher in something completely different. 
It's going to be a new kind of life, a new kind of body. It's the new heavens and new earth. And we don't really get exactly a picture of what that, what that looks like, but it's different. I mean, he says they're going to be like angels, not like we're going to be angels, because sometimes that's like our pop culture understanding of what it means to die and go to heaven and get wings. You know, my granddad got his wings. We're not going to be angels. We're going to be like angels in that we don't die. We're eternal. Yeah. It's a different kind of life. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this was also the end of this was one of those ones for me that day where I it came up in my mind often, just this idea of the Sadducees as I understood it, like they didn't believe in the resurrection or something. And then at the very end, where they're like, well, some of them answered like, teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any questions. Mm-hmm. And I just like picture this scene of it's like, he brought this truth mm-hmm. and they're like, man, the lie that I've been believing feels so much better. Like, let's not ask him anything else. Cause clearly like <laughs> yeah. he's going to like correct us. And so I just started thinking for me that day that why is it so often that the lies we believe like come so easy about ourselves or wh- whatever. And even when, the gospel light shines truth on those lies. It's sometimes hard to want to like even live into that and accept that. And it's, I don't know if that makes sense. Are you guys tracking with me? Absolutely. Yeah. You're both like, uh, like to stop talking. (laughs) No, man. I'm thinking about the places in my own life where I I want to continue to live my way or believe my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when that gets challenged, actually, I think this is why, Jesus says it takes childlike faith mm-hmm. because a child has not yet built up those yeah. lies they believe in and those ways of life. They turn their life on a dime when when they have a real belief. That's I so enjoyed the years I spent in student ministry, uh, doing ministry to students because students are more like that. They will when they are confronted with something are more likely than any adult to turn their life on a dime and say, "Oh, okay, I will change now." But mm-hmm. dude, we're we're so trapped almost in the way that we live yeah. and believe that it is hard mm-hmm. to to make changes to our beliefs in the in our lives. Yeah, I, I was thinking when you're talking too, because I think it, it's so helpful. And I think that's a it's a large part of what Luke is telling us. You know, I mean that's that's really the problem with the Pharisees, with the Jewish people who Jesus is crying because he's like, you you aren't going to accept me. I'm the king coming back that you've been waiting for, and you still are going to reject me. I mean, how, how more in your face this is the gospel can you get? But they had certain ideas and beliefs and lifestyles and pride, you know, and so they didn't recognize him, and they still wouldn't believe and repent. And so he weeps, you know, and so I just, you know, you, we have to, I think, examine our own hearts, or I have to examine my own heart. Is it pride? Is it fear? Like, what are those things that we're holding on to that help us to really not just see Jesus, but follow him? Yeah. And quite frankly, for someone like me, maybe it's like it's easier to believe the lie and not want to put in the work to really press into the truth of something. So I don't know what you mean, someone like you, someone like all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm not going to speak for you, though. <laughs> Um, guys, we, I feel like we're like going long. Yeah. Here. So oh, we are. I, oh, my well, goodness. it's all right. But, and I'm not just saying that cause I yeah, didn't yeah. really press into 22 as much as I did the other ones, but uh, cause there's a lot here and yeah. I don't, I want to do it justice. To, uh, um, it, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, this is so much packed into really just two chapters and this is really a part of the story that we all sort of know. 
it's a little bit easier to yeah. track yep. because we're used to this part of the story, but there's still so much richness and beauty about who God is, how he's revealed in Jesus, how we respond. Yeah. I, I become emotional when I read. Oh, I, Even though it's familiar, gosh, especially as we, we've taken a few weeks to get to this point yes. in the story yeah. of Jesus. Yes. It's, I don't know, I found myself emotional. Oh, I, I, I was worried I was going to cry on this whole podcast. Seriously. <laughs> I, I cry on these last two chapters every single time I'm reading through them, from Jesus and what he goes through to Peter. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, poor Peter. I'm like, I man, I know Peter, you know, and it makes me weep even whenever it's whenever after Peter, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but after Peter denies him, after he's re ready to fight for him, then yep. he denies him, and then he says the master looks at him. Right. Oh, my goodness. That will just make me Yeah, and that detail isn't recorded in some of the other accounts. I know, but, but I love it. Yeah. Jesus I mean, he, looks at Peter he just looks when, at him when right the rooster when crows. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, this time reading through, just struck by, so they're in Jerusalem and it's Passover. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the city doubles in size population-wise. People come in. It's the busiest time of the year in Jerusalem because folks come to the temple area for Passover. And the Pharisees who are responsible as priests for things that are happening in the busiest, most important, most spiritually significant, you could argue, time in their worship calendar are plotting to kill Jesus. Yeah. Talk about lies you believe mm -hmm. and, yeah. and mm -hmm. things you don't want to change about the, the way you function or what's important to you. I mean, that's the setting. They're, they're conspiring to murder someone at the holiest... The, 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 when they're looking back on the Exodus yeah. and, yeah. Meant to, and meant to celebrate God's deliverance of them as a race of people, mm -hmm. I, I was struck by that. Yeah. And, the, and Jesus knows they're going to, and he keeps saying, this is oh, yeah. what's about to happen. This is what has to happen. I'm, I'm the suffering servant, yep. and I'm going to lay down my life. And he keeps saying it, and, and still his disciples don't know what he's talking about. Whenever it describes Jesus praying the night he's arrested— that also mm -hmm. just makes me cry every single time. Cause it's, and I loved that we've been sitting in Luke for longer, like you said, the buildup to it. And I think last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. You know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're supposed to be praying. And what does that really mean? And do yep. we actually say that prayer? And that's what Jesus prays right then. Like, I don't really want to do this, but whatever your will is, but thy will be done. And he's sweating blood which is a real thing that can actually happen whenever you're under that much horror and distress and he still says, I will be done. It's just a really amazing moment. And so if we think about modeling ourselves after Jesus and his prayers, I mean, that's, you know, can I actually, I'm not called to be Jesus, but I'm called to look like him and have the faith like he does. So. Yeah. You're called to say, not my will, but yours. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. I've actually been in that garden and prayed in that garden and, it's really amazing to see whenever he looks up and, he's, and he sees them coming, like there's this big valley and there's only one way they can get across. So you can, you could actually picture him watching them come down. Hmm. No, and he could have run, it was, it was hills and he just watched them coming to arrest him. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's crazy. I think one thing I, I'm like, oh, I, the, what I wrote down in there is just this idea that uh, at the end of the lesson of the fig tree in 21, where it says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Just made me think as we're doing this like reading plan and this idea of like the new kingdom, the second coming, like 
we've already gone past that. Just this idea that there will be new new heavens, new earth, and we initially think like, oh, everything is made new. It's like, wow, this maybe leads us to believe that his words will not pass away. That 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 is something that sustains. But maybe I'm incorrect in how that reads. But I was encouraged by that. That. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would think that his words don't pass away, and yeah. the, the way it describes our experience in heaven is that we will worship him knowing who he is and what he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That lives on. Yeah. And how much more rich and full this then becomes in the new heavens and the new earth. If no yeah. doubt. This Amen. is all there. Well, and I there's so much in, in this last part of this section about um, both being patient and being alert, you know, and, and they were dealing with something very specific in their historical context. You know, the, the Romans were going to come and tear down the temple soon. And Jesus was warning them, hey, destruction's coming because you rejected me. This is what always happens to God's people when they reject him. It's coming. Um, but it's still true for us that we have to have patience because he was going to return and also be alert because we don't know when that is going to be. And we also just have to stay alert. I mean, I was saying I get lethargic in my faith. You know, I'm not, I'm not always thinking about what are the temptations in this world for me, whether it's riches or lies or whatever it is. It's, we all have that. So be alert while we're also being patient was a big one for me. Yeah, this is also one I forgot. I, I'm, I'm seeing more things that are done. Like in 21 specifically, this whole idea of like, oh, what are going to be the signs of the second coming? It's like, yeah. oh, this is where people get some like pretty interesting like uh, – beliefs about mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, this is starting to happen now. This is happening That's now. Right. Is this today? And is it, do you want to, sp- <laughs> I don't well, know. Even, he, he even gives the, the lesson of the fig tree and saying like, you know how, in, how to interpret when, when leaves are growing and figs are in bloom, what's about to happen. Yeah. You should be able to interpret based on what you can see now, what is about to happen, but they don't. Yeah. What we do 2,000 years later is, is read into all this, and mm-hmm. yes, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, but he's also got like a, this is going to happen soon, but then it's also going to happen much later, and we just like to be people who dig yeah. down into the details yeah. and try and like decode. Yeah, yeah don't do that. <laughs> yeah, when is it going down? And yeah, that's the wrong way to read this. Just yeah. like we taught, you can go back and listen to our setup to the Revelation series yep. a couple of years ago. Like... That was apocalyptic literature. There's a mm-hmm. there's a way to understand and read that, and this is some apocal- apocalyptic language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. I, I um, we need to wrap it up. I, I know that I want to give you like a last word or a last opportunity to speak now or forever. I think. For I mean, I would only say like this was it for me. At least, just I don't know. I hope that everybody just has time to just really sit in who Jesus is, you know, mm-hmm. that his, his patience and his passion. And I mean, this is, this is who God is. This is showing us God's character so perfectly and just sit in that this week and just spend time with him because this is who we follow. Mm-hmm. This is who we follow. And this is, this is what he did for us. It's just, it's amazing. Let yourself cry. Amen. I don't need to add to that. All right. Well, you want to close us out in I, some prayer? I will. I guess we're we're, we're doing that. We we're talked gonna, about that before we started. <laughs> okay. Like, are we going to end in prayer on each one? Yeah, we're going to. Well, let's pray today. <laughs> yeah, you do it. <laughs> um, Lord, thank you for the chance to talk about your word, the story of Jesus and his kingdom come. It is a good gift. And thank you for all of those that are part of Clear Creek Community Church doing this with us. Lord, 
we say when we open your word, you open your mouth, and some days that feels true and other days it doesn't. But Lord, what we need more than anything is, is your presence in our lives. Uh, help us as we continue to read, have discipline to do so, but meet us there, Lord. Uh, walk with us, shape us to be like Jesus and influenced through his life, death, resurrection. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's Bible Reading Recap. We hope these conversations are helpful as we all seek Jesus and His Word. Listen, if you go to clearcreekresources.org, we have a lot more resources dedicated to helping you study the Bible. Because when we open the Bible, God opens His mouth. Let's continue to seek God in Scripture together. We'll see you next week.